Well, hello and welcome to the mixer. This is Pundit Arena's Irish football podcast. My name is Rob Lyons, and as always, I'm joined by Simon O'Keefe. Uh, coming up on this week's show, we're going to be discussing Ireland's uh, Nation Leagues draw, uh, which of course saw us draw Denmark and Wales, uh, very familiar opponents for us. Uh, we'll also be discussing O'Neill finally signing that contract and uh, Declan Rice, of course, has been reported today that he is wanted by England um, and we'll also be looking at the, the transfers over the past week in the League of Ireland. But first off, Simon, that Nations League draw does pit us against familiar opponents. Happy or happy with the draw? Or? I'm so sick of Denmark. Well, that's fair enough. No, but... <laughs> <laughs> That just I still get nightmares over that night in, in Dublin a few months ago, and just to have that going to uh, go through all that again next year or this year even. Uh, but no, look, we we know Wales, we know Denmark. Wales have a new manager, obviously, in in Ryan Giggs. Um, mm. They've lost Chris Coleman. Denmark will be, so well. Denmark know exactly how we can play, how we can't play. They said as much. John Dal Thomas, yeah. the assistant manager, said, you know, we know what Ireland can do, we know what Ireland can't do. So I'll be interested to see how seriously these teams take this because it is still an important part of qualification for the Euros if it comes mm. to it obviously it's a pathway into the playoffs if we don't qualify from the first two in our group so I mean, it's to my mind it seems to be the closest thing football will have to test matches like you know we get in rugby that it's it's, it's not it quite actually has an influence like, yeah, yeah, it, yeah it's not a friendly as such but it's it's not uh, a tournament game either it's kind of an in-between kind of job so it's a great place to start blooding youngsters great place to start you know putting on the, the next generation as O'Neill called it himself mm. And yeah, I I like to see how it goes, and I'm looking forward to it definitely. Yeah. I I am as well. I, I do think it's a great idea for I think particularly countries of our size because it gives us essentially like two chances, you yeah. know, which is like for, for for a country that doesn't actually like in our history we haven't qualified for a huge amount of tournaments, no. so it gives us that opportunity, and I think as well playing. Like we know we can beat Wales as well, I think, is a, is a big psychological factor. But I, I also think, as you said, look, Denmark know us, but we also know them. Do you know what I mean? It's, I think it, okay, like losing, losing by that amount is never going to be good going into the, into the September and November games. But like, at least we know their strengths from playing against them rather than just even watching them you know we are and the, the danger there is we could put Denmark on too high a platform as well I mean Denmark mm. did destroy us that night but a lot of that was down to our own ineptitude and our own bad tactics I mean look, I they, think we like we also had to go for the game as well I think that is kind of forgotten in there the, are ways of going for the game and that yeah. wasn't one of them <laughs> we're not going to do the postmortem on that, that again but that wasn't the right way to go for the game um, look but look uh, with the Wales thing then they have the new manager, a very inexperienced manager. He's, mm. he's got a lot of enthusiasm. Although I saw that team talk to you for the, just see that, see that? No, oh, I did. Yeah, that the, was horrible. Let, let's go, team. Yeah, <laughs> run through a brick wall yeah, for that. It's like a PowerPoint. And, it's like yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, no, look, it depends. I don't know how well they'll start under him. I mean, it's eight months away yet, so I mean, it's mm. got he's got time to pull that squad together. He's got time to basically tell Gareth Bale stay fit as long as you possibly can. So, uh, like I said, I am looking forward to I'm looking forward to see how seriously these teams take this competition because it's definitely a good initiative by UEFA. Uh, yeah, I, t- I think the, the whole Ryan Giggs point as well, just to touch on that, like we, like we are playing against a country who are now being managed by someone that's basically never had that amount of pressure on his shoulders, which I think could tell in those games. And like if, we, if we're judging by team talks like that as well, I wouldn't be happy as a Wales fan to have 
gigs in that role. Well, no, but yeah, but it's, it, there wasn't an awful lot of uh, interest in the from experienced managers either. I mean, the the, yeah. the 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 kind of the process was apparently down to himself and Craig Bellamy at one point. Neither one of them is overly, you know, well versed in coaching or management or anything. So you are going to have you're going to be in the same boat regardless. Look, following Chris Coleman's a very tough act to follow. Anyway, look how, yeah. they, how far they got under him. I mean, they got they, fair enough. They didn't qualify for the last World Cup under the Euros. They were very, very good. So he's a national legend. They'll be off the back of that. So following him was never going to be easy. Following him for a very inexperienced manager is going to be like you say torture. <laughs> okay, and uh, moving on to O'Neill, then he has finally signed the contract, or so we're told. No, he signed it. <laughs> we move past this um, now. He has signed that contract. Okay, he signed the contract. Um, but in in I suppose the week following that, the biggest talking point has been that that infamous interview now with Tony O'Donoghue. What was your take on it? I think he had a chance to draw a line under everything. Draw a line under the last campaign. Draw a line under all the negativity. Draw a line under Denmark. The whole lot of it. And he didn't. He just he decided there. I guess you're talking about Rania. I am, yeah. <laughs> no, I love Tony. <laughs> but um, um, but like, Tony is a very well respected broadcaster, a very respected interviewer of people. Like mm. he he asks the tough questions because that's his job. It's his job to find out the things he finds out for the good of the Irish public, Irish Irish fans. But no, what what we got there was Martin O'Neill deciding to settle all scores in public, which you know don't just do that in your own time. Don't yeah. so, don't take the Nations League draw to start bringing up things out of context like he did. Like there's an awful lot of ill feeling towards him as a manager right now, and he had a chance to to, to try and move away from some of that. But instead, he's mm. further entrenched himself in it as a as a a defense mechanism. I'm not sure what it was. Was it just um? Kind of a, a strong defense of his own record, his own record as Ireland manager and his, his record of his club career. Mm. That's not the time to do it. it. It should be looking towards the future now. Don't start digging up past glories in order to make yourself look better. Look, I mean, he's he's already fighting a losing battle as it is. So all he can do now, I'm not sure what he can do now because eight months away to the next competitive fixture. Yeah. We've got, as far as we know, two friendlies before then. So he's got a lot of time now to start building bridges, but he could have done a massive amount of service in that a few days ago but he chose not to and I think that'll really go against him now yeah I think what you said there about focusing on the negatives I mean like it was all, it was almost as if no matter what Tony said I think he was yeah. kind of waiting for this opportunity to get back at him over something that and and it wasn't even something that he should be getting back at him like Tony is entitled to ask these questions about the Irish team and I think like O'Neill is I think he showed his his true personality there, but he should also look. You you said Tony is a well respected journalist, and Martin O'Neill is by a lot of people a well respected manager. He's sh- he's a very experienced manager, and I think if he's going to the media, he should be showing a bit more class than he did at this stage of his career. But yeah, he shouldn't need to resort to that. He shouldn't need at any point to resort to that. I mean, if. Like, if you're going to start wilting on any sort of criticism like that, well, then you're in the wrong job, you know? I mean, exactly. He, it's just a case of he's been through this, though. He's been through the ringer at Celtic. He's managed the Premier League. He should know by now what comes with criticism. Well, that, that's why I think it's so strange, because he's so used to this. He's had 30 or 40 years of this, and he's still uh, biting back at journalists. He applied for the England job. They would have murdered him. Like, they, they, the English tabloids called Raheem Sterling a scumbag because he bought his mother a house. 
They, they, that's that's the sort of thing you're dealing with over there. And yet, we're getting pilloried now for daring to ask about a 5-1 loss to Denmark. That's not on. Yeah, or, or even discussing another job, which isn't to do with Ireland. And, like, it's... If you're going to be clearly uh, known for speaking to another football club or not showing, I suppose, 100% commitment to the Irish job, mm. he's well within his rights to ask those questions. Yeah, and I, I don't think... Any Irish journalist over the last few months, especially definitely not Tony, who asked a simple question the other day. I actually didn't. He said he's hard, he said hard luck, didn't he, in mm, relation to yeah. the Denmark match? That's not a verbal attack, as he <laughs> called it. And I don't want to yeah. keep it. I don't want to keep harping on about uh, Martin O'Neill because you know he is a very very well-respected manager over the years. But at the same time, this isn't a way to go about building bridges. It's not. It's just mm. going to further dread yourself in people's opinion of you. It's just, it's just going to further muddy the waters and it, it really just reflects badly on him right now. Yeah, and like it's something you mentioned as well, I think, in the last podcast about the, the negative feeling and how that can grow and grow and grow. And it's going to, yeah. And it, I, think, I think it'll be even worse this year because, I, as you said, like we're not playing a competitive game yeah. until September. It's a long time for... like Even, even those friendlies will just be a little blip on the radar really like until we get to September yeah and it increases pressure now in the Nations League I mean whatever importance the Nations League had before it's it's massive now because mm. we can't be seen to be losing those matches if we're mm. seen to be losing those matches we get relegated to, to League C or whatever the the thing is well then it just further go, goes against me it puts a massive negative spin on the qualifiers going into March yeah. and we're not going to start off on the right foot like that and if you start off with the wrong foot in the qualifiers you're gone by week three and looking into the, the playing side of things, uh, one of the biggest reports today is, of course, about uh, Declan Rice and Gareth Southgate has said he's, I think it's aware of the player is what he said, but yeah. no more. Um, but it is worrying without uh, mentioning, well, I will mention uh, J- uh, Grealish. Yeah. It's uh, hopefully won't go down the same road. No, I, I think it's slightly different too. I think there's not more of a... Um an Irish-based connection there too with him. I, I think I think he's very attached to the FBI scout over in London, Marco O'Toole, and he considers him to be a father figure. I saw on, on some mm. uh, reports earlier, so I think that it'll be harder for England to price him away from Ireland than it was Jack Grealish. Plus, you have the thing with Jack Grealish's father was constantly in the media, you know, constantly yeah. t- talking up as an England player, and I don't think you'll get that with Declan Rice. So I think De- Declan Rice is a lot more committed to the Irish cause than Jack Reedish was. And I, I think that he's right to do so. Because not to harp on about the negatives of playing for England. But um, again, to go back to the tabloid thing earlier, I mean, there's no joy in playing for England, really. I, I, the players that are there now, the, the adoration skill is somewhere between indifference and spitting at you in the street. You know, I just there's no level of... There's the same level of... Uh, Joy isn't there for England yeah. as it is for Ireland. I mean, they qualify for the major tournaments and that, but they'll go out in the second round and they'll come back to be hated. You know, where's mm. where's the gratitude there? Where's the where's the elation there? Where's the pride playing for your country there? And I I think even to to take a step back from that, like Rice needs to look at it in terms of like if this was a club move, where was he play in the yeah. England team? Do you know, like he's okay. He's only nineteen. He's already played. I think his thirteen Premier League appearances this season. Like for a player that young to be this successful already, there is a, a very good chance that he could get into the England team. But what I'm saying is that our defence, our, I think our youngest centre back is Shane Duffy, and he's 26. Yeah. So he 
he is the next generation of Irish football if which I, I I think he should be called up for these friendlies and I, yeah. I think he should definitely be making his debut this year just get it out of the way that's exactly it I think Martin O'Neill has to make it very very clear to Declan Rice that his future is with the Ireland team that he will be considered for the Irish team really quickly mm. you know as in like you say in, in March in May get him in there before the Nations League, Nations yeah. League matches get him in the squad before then it won't, put, it won't put that much pressure on to be in the squad I mean, mm. Calmo Dowd was in the squad, he was 17, you know, so I yeah. mean, there are young players in the squad already, there's not getting a look in, I think it has to change, I think players like, they could rise have to see pathways to the Irish team, yeah, they haven't yeah. been there before. Well, well, like you look at who he's playing against as well, like we're going to be playing against Wales and Denmark in the Nations League, No, like no disrespect to Wales, but he's played against better strikers, better attackers in the Premier League than he will against Wales, so... In that sense, why not play him in the Nations League? Yeah, and I, I go back to, back to the um, the example of Ben Woodburn during the World Cup qualifiers. Yeah. He's 17. Wales threw him into the deep end purely because they trusted him. If you trust these players, if you trust them, they will keep going back purely because they know there's a pathway there. Mm. So I think getting Rice in there is absolutely essential. Getting and especially as more will follow. So yeah. if more will follow his example, if they think that. If they think if they see him in there, they will think, okay, this is a new Ireland now. Young players can get a chance there. I'll stick around a bit longer. And yeah, and I think putting international football on that kind of pedestal as well isn't going to help in terms of bringing in those players because the likes of Woodburn, like he he's probably in in a way taking a step down to go into that Wales yeah. team in terms of the quality of training, the players. Obviously, if you're training the Liverpool first team, it's going to be a step up. Yeah, we to, we to get rid of this notion that international football is somehow a step above what you see week in, week out in the league. Mm. I mean, a lot of I it... I think in terms of prestige it is, but not in terms of is the, it the, is it the quality. Like, I mean, you, you look at, go back again, back to the England again, but is it though? I mean, a lot of international football is muck. You know, it it, it's just how you interpret that muck and how you, how you play with that muck is how successful you are. So if you've very good organisational skills then you do well in international football it's more about that than it is playing as Portugal showed in the last Euros and that Portugal wasn't great mm. that midfield is playing at Leicester, Swansea and West Ham now you know so it's all about organisation and players like Declan Rice if they suited if you go to the right system at the, at the right age it'll do well for them Doris, and uh, moving on then to the transfers over the last week we'll start off with Limerick who have been uh, extremely busy I'd say yes um, I said last week that they should be busy and they were so, <laughs> not suggesting they followed my advice per se but what can you do uh, no they who did they bring in they brought in Billy and Darren Dennehy are they a package deal or what Is it, one it of, seems to be it's, was that three clubs now in a row they've three moved yeah together fair enough uh, they brought in Owen Warren from Bohemians they brought back Sean Kelly for his third spell there I think they brought in Marco Sullivan uh, they brought in Connor Ellis. So, yeah, they have brought in a bit more firepower. They brought in a bit more seniority to that team. So, I think it's looking a bit better. Um, does it have you rethinking the relegation battle? No, it, it doesn't. Purely because I'm not sure that that's enough either. I, I still think there's a, there's a quality about them that's just missing. And those are very good players they brought in. But I still see players... That other clubs bring in, and I think that's that's good business. That's good business. But Limerick, I see it's functional business. Yeah. But I'm not sure it's just that good business. You know, it's it's not brilliant business. Yeah, like like no disrespect to those players, but no, there there, there is a, there is a sense that they're kind of they're players that everyone in the league knows, but from a few years ago, rather than the best players in the league right now. If you know. What yeah. I mean. No. So, 
that's, that's exactly it. I mean, you look at, I mean, Ogbeni, okay, he's probably staying at this stage. It seems to, be, it seems to have quietened down a bit. But you look at uh, Tossi, I think, is he still there? I don't know if Tossi's still there or not. But because uh, Bastianori left, the players who they're bringing in just aren't at that level, you know? They're not yeah. exciting players like that. And I don't know if it's enough, you know? I Again, not to disrespect those players because they're all very, very good players in their own right. But I'm still not sure that together it's enough. And uh, moving on to Cork City then, Dave, what looks like they've kind of uh, shored up their transfer business now with the signing of Peter Cherry and uh, Danny Kane. Danny Kane, I think in particular, is is an exciting signing for this league, I suppose, to get a Huddersfield reserve team player, but Ireland are under-21 international as well. Yeah, and it, there's the shades of uh, Ryan Delaney about this deal. Not in terms of the style of play, yeah. obviously, more in terms of you know the excitement level and more in terms of the standard of player they're bringing in you know Irish 21 player as you say and Peter Cherry is one of the better goalkeepers of the league last year so it means that Coxie now have two very very good goalkeepers which you know for the standard of the league is fantastic you know to have two very goalkeepers vying for a role like that it brings up their own level too because they can't rest in the laurels now not saying McNulty did at any stage last year because he was fantastic mm. but you know to have that, that fire under him now it'll convince him to keep going you know convince him to raise his game even more and Peter Cherry will be raising his game even more too to try and break into that first team but yeah I think Cork City are done now by large I would think you know they've, mm. they've strengthened everywhere they've very very good squad depth now which I think was one of the problems last year squad depth was a bit of an issue that, that's not an issue anymore so I think barring any late you know exits I think they're pretty much done I think a lot, a lot stronger for it too yeah no, of course we do have an interview later on with Peter Cherry as yeah. well and he, he discusses uh, I suppose do trying to break into that team and what attracted him to the club. But moving on to Waterford, then they've been very busy as well, haven't they? They have. They've brought in two midfielders, and like get this right now, they've brought in Stanley Abora, who was at Portsmouth recently. He's former Ajax youth player, and they've brought in Liers or former Liers player Faisal Kazmi. Apologies, I've I've messed them up. I you know I I, I think it's brilliant. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> but he was he's a twenty two year old midfielder from Liers, so they have a very strong combat midfield as it is. You know they've got you know Gavin Holden and they've got Paul Keegan in there, Bastianari in there. So mm. to add add those two to that midfield, it's very very good strength and depth they have now. Another another sign as well, I think, from Waterford that they're kind of casting their net a bit further than some teams might as well. Exactly. I mean we, that's the indication we've got from them all along is that they're not there to pick up the numbers they are there to go as high as possible they are there to even push for Europe if they can mm. and those kind of signings I think help them like, I, I don't know an awful lot about them admittedly but if they look in far and wide for those kind of signings it's very very um, ambitious for a Premier League club or a Premier League club like that I think so especially a newly promoted one mm. so I think that it'll go towards their plan of getting as high as possible and, and Europe if possible and uh, finally then Sligo Rovers have signed uh, Lewis Morrison, a Scottish striker as well, and Eduardo, Eduardo Pincelli, I think is how you pronounce it. Um, but f- we'll start off with uh, Pincelli, the Brazilian um, 34-year-old. There's a, a lot of hype about him now coming into the league, obviously. Yes, uh, this was announced basically an hour ago, so not much research was done there. <laughs> From either of us, really. Could you tell? Uh, no, no. Um, from what I can gather, by which I mean I read off Sligo website, is that he was recommended by Vinnie Farty. Vinnie mm. Farty, of course, over in Cyprus now, and he recommended this guy to to Jerry Little. And that deal was done this or today. He was played for Rovers and Friendly last week. So 
I think he's very well travelled too. He's been around. He's been around to Cyprus. He's been in Greece, Italy, Spain, Malaysia. You know, he's been, he's been around a lot. Definitely. Similar places to Sligo. To Sligo, yeah, obviously they call they call Malaysia Sligo of Asia. Um, but no, it's 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 symptomatic too of the type of policy Little has, as in you know he wants exciting, he wants dynamic, he wants good attacking input to signings, mm. which again it's added to. His defensive mindset from last year was consolidate at the back and go from there. They drew an awful of games last year. I think yeah. the plan is to keep the same defensive fortitude but add to it with a bit more attacking steel. And depending on how the, will this lad settles, then you know it could be a big part of that. And I, I, I think as well, a, a team of slight or a, a team as in th team has been that they. Uh, over over this season, they've kind of been very supportive. I think a little in terms of the players that they're bringing in. He's if he's going after someone, they will back him and trust him to do the job, which I think is important for the manager as well. Absolutely. So we spoke to him in the last season, and he was very, he was very of, that, of that mindset. Is he had his targets, and the, the the board are very supportive, as you say, in going to get them. I mean, this this Morris young Flanelle who bought in from Kilmarnock, I think he's played. He played ten minutes of a, a senior game from last season. That was his only involvement. He actually played at Celtic at Celtic Park, so that's a good endorsement yeah. of um of what he can do. He played the last 10 minutes in that game, but it didn't go so well for them. Uh, they went 1-0 up and then lost 6-1. I'm yeah. <laughs> not saying he was you know, to blame for any of that, but I'm just saying it, it happened and he was part of it. Um, but he's presumably brought in to be back up to Adam Morgan. So that's, you know, Adam Morgan's very exciting, exciting as well. Yeah. So I'm, I'm looking forward to Sligo this season, definitely. Should be exciting. And uh, finally, before we move on to the Peter Cherry interview, we have to mention uh, one of the worst I think uh, announcement videos we've ever seen uh, Kevin O'Connor signing on loan for Fleetwood Town what were they thinking like was was there a meeting that people just didn't turn up to or what happened to it like what, why mm. Why would you why would you do that I mean at least Motherwell like kind of took the piss a bit with the little piano but this was a different yeah but altogether. there's a difference between that and taking the piss of a lottery win how do you yeah. do that he's a millionaire respect him more you know <laughs> But no, look, he looked a bit mortified too. I mean, uh, I haven't, yeah, I haven't looked that... I wouldn't be giving him an acting contract. No, no. I mean, I haven't felt that sorry for a millionaire since Natalie Portman in a Star Wars film she was in. You know, it, it's, it was just bad from start to finish. And look, that aside, I think it's good for him. You know, he, look, he's got Greg Cunningham ahead of him in the Preston Peckin order. Greg yeah. Cunningham is by all accounts, you know, the established first choice left back. Kevin Connor wasn't getting a look in there. So going down to... to I think even would, when he was injured, he wasn't getting a look in as well, which... No, was, which is very yeah, worrying. Yeah. He started toward, towards the end of December, start of January, I think, but then Cunningham came back and that was the end of that. So I think going down to League One for a bit, you know, getting some game time under his belt, it's important that he does so in this stage of his development. And I think that it'll be great for him. I mean, look, it's not, it's not, a, it's not a, um, the death sentence might have been for his career, you know, a few years ago, going down to League One. You mm-hmm. know, it, it's a disappointment, I'd say, obviously, because, you know, he's got the, the championship move at the start of the season. He hasn't quite worked out so far. He's got the League One move now. Temporary, of course. So, get some game time, you know, show the Preston manager what you can do down there and hopefully get back up and challenge for a first-team spot next year, I think is the plan. Okay, and uh, we'll be, of course, discussing all the, the transfer news again next week. But we now uh, speak with uh, Peter Cherry, just recently signed for Cork City from Bray Wanderers. And uh, we started off by asking him how the move came about. Um, yeah, it was a, a massive uh, sacrifices. But the move only came about, uh, I suppose, I think it was, I don't know, a week or so ago, two weeks ago. 
um, John mm. Langman on the Saturday and asked if I'd be interested in speaking to him. I said, of course I would. Um, he had thought I'd sign back to Bray and I told him that wasn't the case so he met me on the Sunday again and told me that what his plans were, where the club was heading and he'd like to have me on board and so I basically just had to speak to the, my wife and tell her what had happened and she was on board with it straight away. She says, yeah, you, just, you have to go and get that crack. Um, European football champions and a great experience. Um, so I just listened to her, you know, it's it's just a chance I couldn't really afford to turn down. And so I suppose from a, from a playing point of view then, you've obviously played against Cork City a number of times over the last few years and like from from playing against them as well was was their style of football something that attracted you as well yeah um, I've always admired Cork to be honest um, the way they play football the way John has has them playing and they're they're always big physical fit guys you know Mm. they seem to have a great professionalism about them and when I came down saw all that straight away and I thought yeah I have to be a part of this because it's very professional. Everything's proper, you know. And it's, it's great to see a club in the League of Ireland. Yeah, no, and you mentioned it there as well. I suppose the European element. I mean, that must be a, a huge motivating factor for you as well. Yeah, um, it is. Uh, as I said last week, I did a review, and I, I thought my, my time had been and gone. Hmm. You know, doing my European thing with the talk and. It's just, as I say, when John Mangan told me he was interested, I just couldn't turn it down, you know. Um, and as I said, I, I'm here to work, and if, I, if I'm not playing, then I'm there to support the boys, and if I'm playing, then I'm there to do my job. Hmm. And and I mean, in t- in terms of that as well, like you you mentioned, it's it, you thought you might, um, your time was over or whatever. D- did you mean that in terms of, maybe coming out of the game or, or did you mean just not getting a, another move again like this? Um, no, I, I, I never uh, uh, wanted to stop playing or anything, no. Mm. Uh, just I thought my time had been gone, maybe winning a league or getting to Europe or anything mm. like that, you know. I thought it was just going to be possibly mid-table clubs, you know. Uh, but when the champions come calling, it's one of the ones you, get, you, you can't turn it down. Mm, and uh, just going back then to, I suppose, your your period with Bray, uh, look, it's, it's well documented what went on last season. And um, did, did that have an influence as well on you deciding to move on from Bray? Um, to be honest, it, it probably did. Um, I mean... Uh, I was still doing a bit of training with them in the pre-season and stuff, you know, just to keep ticking over. Mm. And they told me they were interested in signing me. And, I mean, I was supposed to sign with them, I think, on the Saturday that I met John. And it just by chance, the manager um, at Brave had to leave early or something. And I didn't get speaking to him. And I suppose... When you look at it like that, and then John comes forward, maybe maybe it happens for a reason, you know. But mm. yeah, what happened at Brave, it wasn't great for any footballer, you know. I mean, we should be kept in the dark about all that stuff until 
you know, then they're not paying wages or whatever. But listen, it's happening now. We just we have, just have to go on it. And uh, going back a bit further, then I suppose to your your time with Dundalk, obviously won win the league in twenty fourteen. Um, did, like, did you think back then that they they would go on to be as I suppose dominant as they were in the years going past that then as well? Um, to be honest, I never gave that much thought. Um, they've gone to be dominant, but you know, I mean, they did for a good for two or three years after that and started playing them. Uh, but Cork was always there and thereabouts. Mm. And Cork have just seemed to have found that that you know that that grit in their teeth to say no no we're going to be there we're going to it's our time now and I hope I hope that's that's the case I, I really do hope it is Cork's time you know I, you go on and push the league into bigger and better things. Yeah, no, I mean, from from your experience, obviously huge experience in the League of Ireland. Do, do you think it's a realistic aim, I suppose, for the for League of Ireland teams to to qualify for Europe every year or every few years? Um, I, I, I don't see why not. I mean, you know, it's it's going in the right direction. You know, with players starting to get um, their two and three year contracts or whatever it is. And, Maybe getting paid in the off season stuff. I mean, the things are looking good, and I don't see if that's the case. And they all take a leaf out of likes of Clark's book, you know, and the professionalism that they showed. Then I don't see why not they can't be qualifying for all these major tournaments every year. And thanks to Peter for joining us on the show this week. But that is all we have time for on the mixer. We'll be back again next week, and we are on SoundCloud and iTunes. So do subscribe to us there.